The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. ourselves back. Let's take ourselves back, in fact, to the early 1970s. As a time when the left wing considered direct action. In this edition, we're going to consider in the light of Donald Trump and Nigel Farage and the Let's leave Europe, group of people. The death cults roaming our streets. The rich, richest, rich of the rich, filling their cakes with the cream of the poor. And we'll think, direct action. Does anyone there remember the Symbionese Liberation Army? Does anyone know where the name Symbionese comes from? Symbionese name came from the notion of symbiosis. One of the founders of the Symbionese Liberation Army wanted all races, all genders, all ages, everyone to fight together in a left-wing, united front, and then to live together peacefully. One of the ways they went about this was to kidnap a 19-year-old daughter of one of the richest and most established, almost royal family members of the American 
Kont. The very running dogs of capitalism themselves, the Hearst family. They kidnapped Patty Hearst by spending time with Patty and letting her smoke many of their revolutionary splits. They converted Patty to their cause and, well, Patty robbed a few banks and hung out with her comrades and it didn't really end very well at all. So what I've done in today's edition of Isotopica is taken some of her tape-recorded communiques from the Symbionese Liberation Front and I auto-tuned them much in the style of modern neoliberal liberal I can hardly say it today neoliberal pop music quite where that will get us I don't really know should we see welcome to a remixing from Paris in Easter 2016 of the Patty Hearst tapes Brought to you here by me, Simon Tishko, on Isotopica. If you want to comment or join in with today's edition, look for hashtag Isotopica out on Twitter, or maybe refer to my website, www.theculture.net. Should we listen to Patty? But um, they wash them up and they're getting okay. I've caught a cold, but they're giving me pills for it. And so I'm not being starved or beaten or unnecessarily frightened. Um, I've heard some press reports, and so I know that Steve and all the neighbors are okay. And that no one was really hurt. And I also know that the SLA members here are very upset about press distortions of what's been happening. They have nothing to do with the August 7th movement. They have not been shooting down helicopters or shooting down innocent people in the streets. Kept blindfolded usually so that I can't identify anyone. Um, 
my hands are, are often tied, but not, I'm generally, I'm, they're not. And um, I'm not gagged or anything, and I'm comfortable. And uh, I think you can tell that I'm not really terrified or anything. And I'm okay. I was very upset then to hear about um, the police rushing in on that house in Oakland, and I was just really glad that I wasn't there, and I would appreciate it if, um, if everyone would just calm down and not try to find me and not be making identifications, because um, they're not only endangering me, but they're endangering themselves. I'm with a combat unit that's armed with automatic weapons, and, and I'm all, there's also a medical team here, and I'm, there's no way that I will be released until they let me go, so it wouldn't do any good for somebody to come in here and try to get me out by force. Um, these people aren't just people aren't just a bunch of nuts. They've been really honest with me, but um, they're perfectly willing to die for what they're doing. And I want to get out of here, but I, the only way I'm going to is if we do it their way. And, I just hope that you'll do what they say, Dad, and just do it quickly. Uh, I've been stopping and starting this tape myself so that I can collect my thoughts. That's, that's why there's so many stops in it. I'm not being forced to say any of this. Um, I, I think it's really important that you take their request very seriously about um, not arresting any other SLA members and, and about following their, their good faith request to the letter. Um, I just want to get out of here and see everyone again and be back at the state. The SLA is very interested in seeing how, how you're taking this data and they want to make sure that you are really serious and listening to what they're saying. Um, and they think that they think that you've been taking this whole thing a lot more seriously than the police and the, the FBI and other federal people have been taking it. And uh, it seems to be getting to the point where they're not worried about you so much as they're worrying about other people, or, or at least I am. It's, um, it's really up to you to make sure that these people don't, don't jeopardize my life by charging in and doing stupid things.
and I hope that you'll make sure that they don't do anything else like, like that Oakland house business. Decent. DSL, I really have been honest with me and, and I really, I mean, I feel pretty sure that that I'm going to get out of here if everything goes the way they want it to. And I think you should feel that way too. And, and try not to worry so much. I mean, I know it's hard, but... I heard that Mom is really upset and, and that all... Everybody was at home, and, and I mean, I hope that this puts you a little bit at ease, and that, and that you know that I, that I really, that I really am all right. Um, I just hope I can get back to everybody really soon. Yes, I has biological ties with. B-I-R-A, the people struggle in the Philippines and socialist people in Puerto Rico and their struggle for independence and they consider themselves to be soldiers who are fighting and aiding these people. I am a prisoner of war, and so are the two men in San Quentin. I'm being treated in accordance with the Geneva Convention. One of, the, one of the conditions being that I'm not being tried for crimes, which I'm not responsible for. I'm here because I'm a member of a ruling class family. And... I think you can begin to see the analogy with people in San Quentin, two men in San Quentin are being held and, and are going to be tried simply because they are members of the SLA and not because they've done anything. Witnesses to the shooting of Foster saw black men and, um, and two white men have been arrested for this. You're being told this so that um, you'll understand why I was kidnapped. Um, um, and so that you'll understand that whatever happens to the two prisoners is going to happen to me. 
I mean, they'll do something about it. So, you shouldn't worry about that too much. Um, also, I would like to emphasize that I am alive, and that I am well, and that in spite of what certain tape experts seem to think, I am, I mean, I'm fine, and, uh, it's really depressing to hear people talk about me like I'm dead, and, uh, you know, I just, I can't explain what that's like, what it does also is that it, it begins to convince other people that maybe I am dead, and, uh, and when everybody is convinced that I am dead, well, then it gives the FBI an excuse to come in here and try to pull me out. And uh, I'm sure that Mr. Gates understands that uh, if the FBI has to come in and get me out by force, that they won't have time to decide who not to kill. They'll just have to kill everyone. And, uh, and I don't particularly want to die that way. Um, so I, I hope he will realize that everything is okay and that um, you know, just to back off for a while, there'll be plenty of time for investigating later. I am, I am basically an example, and a symbolic warning, not only to you, but um, to everyone, that, uh, that there are people that aren't going to accept. Um, to accept, to accept your support of of other governments and that basically suppress and and murder other people and. This is a warning to everybody, and it's also to show what can be done when it's necessary, that people can be fed, and, that, and to show that it's too bad that it has to happen this way to make people see that, people, that there are people who need food, but um, you know, maybe something can be done about that so that things like this won't have to happen again. Vanessa is also very annoyed about attempts by the press and by authorities to turn this into a racial issue. It's not. This is a political issue and this is a political action that they've taken. And anyone who really reads the stated objectives of the SLA can see very clearly that this is not a racial thing. And, uh, and, uh, I hope there won't be any more confusion about that. Turn over my notes here. So. Um, um, I am being held as a prisoner of war, and not as anything else. I mean, I'm being treated in accordance with international codes of war. And so, so I mean, you shouldn't listen or believe what anybody else says about the way I'm being treated. This is the way that I am being treated, and I'm not left alone, and I'm not just shoved off. So I'm, I'm fine. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not being starved, and I'm not being beaten or 
Also, since I am an example, and it's really important that everybody understand that you know, I am an example and a warning. And because of this, it's very important to the SLA that I return safely. And, um, and um, so people should, should stop acting like I'm dead. Mom should get out of her black dress. That doesn't help at all. And, uh, I wish you'd try to understand the position that I'm in. And I'm right in the middle. And I have to depend on what all, of the, all kinds of other people are going to do. And it's really, it's really hard for me to hear, hear about reports, you know. And, uh, and I hope you'll understand and try to do something. I know that a lot of people have written and, and they're really concerned about me and my safety and about what you're going through. And, and you know, I want them all to know that I'm okay and to understand that I'll be okay as long as the SLA demands are met and as long as the two prisoners in San Quentin are okay. And then, and then. That's, broadcast last Sunday. It was good to hear from you after so much silence, but what you had to say sounded like you don't care if I ever get out of here. All you want is to hear from me sometimes. Your silence has definitely jeopardized my safety because it allows the FBI to continue to attempt to find me and Governor Reagan to make antagonistic statements with no response from you. I'm beginning to feel that the FBI would rather that I get killed and safely released. I'm telling you this now because I don't believe the FBI will let any more word from me get through to media. I hear that people all around the country keep calling on the SLA to release me unharmed, but the SLA are not the ones who are harming me. 
It's the FBI along with your indifference to the poor and your failure to deal with people in the SLA in a really sincere manner. I don't believe that you are doing everything you can, everything in your power. I don't believe that you're doing anything at all. You said that it was out of your hands, that you should have said that you wash your hands of it. I guess that you don't understand that it is not just the crimes of you and Mom personally that I'm being held for, but the crimes of the University of California Board of Regents and your voting record, Mom, when you were on that board, and also the crimes of the Hearst Corporation. Dad, you say you put responsibility for my status on the corporation, but you seem to be ignoring the fact that you are the chairman of the board and Uncle Bill is president of the Hearst Corporation. I know that if anything happens to me, it will be because your corporation advisors and the FBI decided to protect their interests instead of my life. I don't know who influenced you to not comply with a good faith gesture. I know you could have done it the way the SLA asked. I mean, I know that we have enough money. But it seems to me that you've told the FBI to do whatever they decide is necessary to destroy the SLA. Is this really true, Dad? I've heard reports concerning the FBI investigation and interrogations, Governor Reagan's careless and antagonistic remarks, and the attempts of federal agencies with use of the news media to mentally prepare the public for my death by calling for mass prayers and petitions to the SLA for my release. From this, I am forced to draw only one conclusion, that the FBI and other federal agencies want me to die. I no longer seem to have any importance as a human being. Rather, I have become all important as a political pivot point for certain right-wing elements, and I can only be successfully by these people if I'm Just occasionally, something very special happens. The brilliance of diamonds by Gerard, a limousine by Park Ward, the delicacy of porcelain by Meissen. And now, in cigarettes, Zayel Nash Special, created by Zayel to be the world's finest achievement in Virginia cigarettes. A shade longer, many shades more desirable than any other cigarette you've experienced. the jet black packs so something very special still happens in this modern world
I want to talk about the way I knew my six murdered comrades, because the fascist pig media has, of course, been painting a typically distorted picture of these beautiful sisters and brothers. Kujo was the gentlest, most beautiful man I've ever known. He taught me the truth as he learned it from the beautiful brothers in California's concentration camps. We loved each other so much, and his love for the people was so deep that he was willing to give his life to them. The name Kujo means unconquerable. It was the perfect name for him. Kujo conquered life as well as death by facing and fighting. Neither Kujal or I had ever loved an individual the way we loved each other. Probably because our relationship wasn't based on bourgeois, fucked up values, attitudes, and goals. Our relationship's foundation was our commitment to the struggle and our love for the people. It's because of this that I still feel strong and determined to fight. I was ripped off by the pigs when they murdered Kujal. Ripped off the same way that thousands of sisters and brothers in this fascist country have been ripped off the people they love. We mourn together and the sound of gunfire becomes sweeter. 
Jelena was beautiful, fire and joy. She exploded with a desire to kill the pain. She wrote poetry, some of it on the walls of Golden Gate, all of it in the L.A. Pig Files now, that expresses how she felt. She loved the people more than her love for any one person or material comfort, and she never let her mind rest from the strategies that are the blood of revolution. Jolino would have dwelt firepower to the people if there wasn't a necessity to whisper the words of revolution. We laughed and cried and struggled together. She taught me how to fight the enemy within through her constant struggle with bourgeois conditioning. Gabi crouched lower with her ass to the ground. She practiced until her shotgun was the extension of her right and left arm, an impulse, a tool of survival. She understood the evil in the heart of the pig and took the only toll you could demoralize, defeat, and destroy. She loved to touch people with a strong, not delicate breath. Gabi taught me the patience and discipline necessary for survival and victory. Supposedly secure my safety. The people who moved to the way was a sham. You attempted to deceive the people, the SRS, and me with statements about your concern for myself and the people. You were playing games, stalling for time. Time which the FBI was using in their attempts to assassinate me and the SRA elements which guarded me. You continued to object that you did everything in your power to pave the way for negotiations for my release. I hate to believe that you could have been so unimaginative as to not even have considered getting little in your narrow released on birth. While it was repeatedly stated that my conditions would at all times correspond with those of the captured soldiers, when your own lawyer went to inspect the hole at San Quentin, you approved for the horrible conditions there. Another move which potentially jeopardized my safety. My mother's acceptance of the appointment to a second term as a UC regent, as you well knew, would have caused my immediate execution at the SLA and less them together about their political goals. Your actions have taught me a great lesson, and in a strange kind of way, I'm grateful to you. Stephen, Stephen, I know that you are beginning to realize that there is no such thing as neutrality in time of war. There can be no compromise, as your experience with the FBI must have shown you. You have been harassed by the FBI because of your supposed connections with so-called radicals, and some people have even gone so far as to suggest that I arranged my own arrest. We both know what really came down that Monday night, but you don't know what's happened since then. I've changed, grown. I've become conscious and can never go back to the life we led before. What I'm saying may seem cold to you and to my old friends, but love doesn't mean the same thing to me anymore. My love is expanded as a result of my experiences to embrace all people. It's grown into an unselfish love for my comrades here, in prison, and on the streets. A love that comes from the knowledge that no one is free until we are all free. While I wish that you could be a comrade, I don't expect it. All I expect is that 
to try to understand the changes I've gone through. I've been given a choice of one, being released in a safe area, or two, joining the forces of the Sindhini's Liberation Army and fighting for my freedom and the freedom of all of those people. I've chosen to stay and fight. One thing which I've learned is that the corporate ruling class will do anything in their power in order to maintain their position of control over the masses, even if this means the sacrifice of one of their own. It should be obvious that people who don't even care about their own children couldn't possibly care about anyone else's children. The things which are precious to these people are their money and power, and they will never willingly surrender either. People should not have to humiliate themselves by standing in lines in order to be fed, nor should they have to live in fear for their lives and the lives of their children, as Tyrone Guyton's mother was sadly attested. Dad, you said that you were concerned with my life, and you also said that you were concerned with the life and interests of all oppressed people in this country, that you are a liar in both areas. And as a member of the ruling class, I know for sure that yours and mom's interests are never the interests of the people. Dad, you said that you would see about getting more job opportunities for the people, but why haven't you warned the people what's going to happen to them? But actually, the few jobs they still have will be taken away. You, a corporate liar, of course will say that you don't know what I'm talking about. But I ask you to prove it. Tell the poor and oppressed people of this nation what the corporate state is about to do. Warn black and poor people that they're about to be murdered down to the last man, woman, and child. If you're so interested in the people, why don't you tell them what the energy crisis really is? Tell them how it's nothing more than a manufactured strategy, a way of hiding industry's real intentions. Tell the people that the energy crisis is nothing more than a means to get public approval for a massive program to build nuclear power plants all over the nation. Tell the people, tell the people that the entire corporate state is, with the aid of this massive power supply, about to totally automate the entire industrial state to the point that in the next five years, all that will be needed will be a small class of button pushers. Tell the people there that all of the lower class and at least half of the middle class will be unemployed in the next three years, and that the removal of expendable excess, the removal of unneeded people, has already started. I want you to tell the people the truth. Tell them how the law and order programs are just a means of to remove so-called violent, meaning the rare individuals from the community, in order to facilitate the controlled removal of unneeded law and kept out of the way until after our departure. I was positioned so that I could hold customers and bank personnel who were on the floor. My gun was loaded, and at no time did any of my comrades intentionally point their guns at me. Careful examination of the photographs which were published clearly shows this is true. 
our action of April 15th, first, the corporate state to help finance the revolution. In the case of expropriation, the difference between a criminal act and a revolutionary act is shown by what the money is used for. As with the money involved in my parents' bad faith gesture to aid the people, these funds are being used to aid the people and to ensure the survival of the people's forces in their struggle with and for the people. To the clowns who want a personal interview with me, Vincent Halloran, Stephen Weed, and the Pig Hearst, I prefer giving it to the people in the bank. It's absurd to think that I could serve us to say what I'm saying now and be allowed to freely return to my comrades. The enemy still wants me dead. I'm obviously alive and well. As for being brainwashed, the idea is ridiculous to the point of being beyond belief. It's interesting the way early reports characterize me as a beautiful, intelligent liberal. All in more recent reports, I'm a comely girl who's been brainwashed. The contradictions are obvious. Consciousness is terrifying to the ruling class, and they will do anything to discredit people who have realized that the only alternative to freedom is death, and that the only way we can free ourselves of this fascist dictatorship is by fighting, not with words, but with guns. As for my ex-fiancé, I'm amazed that he thinks that the first thing that I would want to do once freed would be to rush and free him. The fact is, I don't care if I ever see him During the last few months, Stephen has shown himself to be a sexist, ageist pig. Not that this was a sudden change from the way he always was. It merely became blatant during the period when I was still a hostage. Frankly, Stephen is the one who sounds brainwashed. I can't believe those weary words he uttered were from his heart. They're a mixture of FBI rhetoric and random simplicity. I have no proof that Mr. DeBray's letter is authentic. The date and location he gives is confusing in terms of when the letter was published in the papers. How could it have been written in Paris and published in your newspapers on the same day, Adolf? In any case, I hope that the last action has put his mind at ease. If it didn't, further actions will. For those people who still believe that I'm brainwashed or dead, I see no reason to further defend my position. I am a soldier in the people's army. Patria a muerte, I want to talk about the way I knew of six murdered comrades, because the fascist pig media has, of course, been painting a typically distorted picture of these beautiful sisters and brothers. 
Joe, Joe, was the gentlest, most beautiful man I've ever known. He taught me the truth as he learned it from the beautiful brothers in California's concentration camps. We loved each other so much, and his love for the people was so deep that he was willing to give his life for them. The name Kujo means unconquerable, meaning to him. It was a perfect name to him. Kujo conquered Zoya, female gorilla, perfect love and perfect hate reflected in stone-cold eyes. She moved viciously and with caution, understanding the peril of the smallest mistake. She taught me, she taught me, keep your ass down, be bad. Shaiza was a beautiful sister who didn't talk much, but who was the teacher of many by her righteous example. She, more than any other, had come to understand and conquer the putrid disease of bourgeois mentality. She proved often that she was unwilling to compromise with the enemy because of her intense love for freedom. Faiza taught me the perils of hesitation, to shoot first and make sure she did dead before splitting. She was wise and sad, and I'll always know Thank you, loving people with tenderness and respect. They listened to him when he talked because they knew that his love reflected the truth and the future. Sin knew that to live was to shoot straight. He longed to be with his black sisters and brothers, but at the same time he wanted to prove to black people that white freedom fighters are comrades and honor. Thank you was in a race with time, believing that every minute must be another step forward in the fight to save the children. He taught me virtually everything imaginable, but wasn't liberal enough. He'd kick our asses if we didn't hop over a fence fast enough, or keep our asses down while practicing. Most importantly, he taught me how to show my life to people. He helped me see that it's not how long we live that's important, but how we live, what we decide do with On February 4th, St. Hugh and Tunis saved The Malcolm X Combat Unit of the SLA is a leadership training cell under the personal command of General Field Marshal St. General Tico was his second in command. Everything we did was directed toward our development as leaders and advisors to other units. All of us were prepared to function on our own if necessary until we connected with other combat units. The idea that we are leaderless is absurd as long as any FLA elements are alive or operating under the command of our general field marshal. It's hard to explain what it was like watching our comrades die, murdered by pig incendiary grenades. A battalion of pigs facing a fire team of girls, and the only way they could defeat them was to burn them alive. It made me mad to see the pigs looking at our comrades' weapons, to see them holding to Joe's 45 and his watch, which was still ticking. He would have laughed at that. There is no surrender. No one in that house was suicidal, just determined and full of love. It was beautiful to hear Gubby's 
father. He understands that he loved her father. And I know that much of her strength came from the support he gave her. What a difference between the parents of Gabi, Kujo, and my parents. One day, just before the last tape was made, Kujo and I were talking about the way my parents were fucking me over. He said that his parents were still his parents because they had never betrayed him. But my parents were really Malcolm X and the Scottish Court. I'll never betray my parents. The pigs probably had the little Olmec monkey that Cujo wore around his neck. He gave me the little stone face one night. I know that the pigs are proud of themselves. They've killed another black leader. In typical pig fashion, they have said that Sin Q committed suicide. What horseshit. Sin committed suicide the same way Malcolm, Cain, and Bobby, and Fred, and Jonathan, and George did. But no matter how many leaders are killed, the pig can't kill their ideals. I learned a lot from Sin and a comrade who died in that fire. And I'm still learning from it. They live on in the hearts and minds of millions of people in fascist America. The pig's actions that Friday evening showed just how scared they really are. They would have burned and bombed that entire neighborhood to murder six girls. The SLA terrifies pigs because it calls all oppressed people in this country to war to fight in a united front to overthrow the fascist dictatorship. The pigs think that they can deal with a handful of revolutionaries, but they know they can't defeat the incredible power which the people, once united, represent. It's for this reason that we get to see, live and in color, the terrorist tactics of the pigs. The pigs say, you're next. This kind of display, however, only serves to raise the people's consciousness and makes it easier for our comrades, sisters, and brothers throughout the country to connect. I died in that fire on 54th Street, but out of the ashes I was reborn. I know what I have to do. Our comrades can die in vain. The pig lies about the advisability of surrender have only made me more determined. I renounced my class privilege when Sin and Kujo gave me the name Tanya. While I have no death wish, I have never been afraid of death. For this reason, the brainwashed duress theory of the pig curse has always amused me. Life is very precious to me, but I have no delusions that going to prison will keep me alive. And I would never choose to live the rest of my life surrounded by pigs like the first. I want to see our comrades in this country's concentration camps, but on our terms, as stated in our Declaration of Revolutionary War, not on the pig's terms. Death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people. Mom, Dad, Dad. This is Tanya. 
And you have been listening to this week's edition of Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM, the world's most magnificent station. That was a reworking of the Patty Hearst tapes from a long time ago. And something for us all to consider, I think. I won't tell you exactly how to do that. Hopefully, anyway. Besides, details can be found on my website, which is at theculture.net. This is Simon Tishko. This is Resonance. Hashtag Isotopica. This was Isotopica. We shall be back next week, same time, same space, for another Sonic Detour. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.